Smartcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. to write? Do you want to learn what it takes to create a writing career? Then tune in and take notes because on Simply Write, we talk about the writer's craft and the qualities and quirks of living a writer's life. Let's go! Hello and welcome to Simply Write with Polly, the podcast where we talk about crafting a writing career and living the writer's life. And today we're going to get heavy into craft, but talk about another one of those intangible aspects of writing, and that is voice. What is voice? How do we bring it into our work and why do we need to? This is a question that comes up a lot when I do speaking engagements or when I teach or talk to others who want to write. What is a writer's voice? How does it show up? How do we create it? How do we find ours? Voice is an element of our writing style, but it's not the only aspect of style, right? It's just one piece of the whole puzzle. But it's really a mix of vocabulary and tone and mood and the phrases and sentence structure and the way we put the whole piece together. Now, if you're writing a fictional piece, you might have multiple voices of the characters in that piece. And yet your stylistic voice, your writer's voice will come through in the stronger pieces. It will come through your particular style. When you pick up a James Patterson book or a JK Rowling book, you know that it's their book. They have a certain protocol, a certain process of unfolding their chapters, the words they use, the pacing, the tension, all that kind of stuff. You can suss out the author uh, even without knowing their name when you pick up a book like that. When you pick up a book with a very distinctive voice, you might not know why the voice is working or even what it is, but you'll know that voice. It'll feel familiar and resonant to you. And when we write fiction, you know, our characters have voices too, which are all a, a derivative of ourselves to some degree. But I also know that in my nonfiction work, the strongest pieces also have a strong voice. So how do we create that and what do we do? That's what we're talking about today on Simply Write. And we'll get to it right after the daily. It's time for the dailies where we talk about what looks like in our daily schedule. You know, the writer's life you know by now is is not always just romantically sitting at the computer and having words come through you onto the page. Uh, today I have a dentist appointment, so that's super fun. I scheduled that at the end of the day. 
so I could get my podcast interview done. I also have a uh, meeting, a phone meeting, which always makes me a little nervous. I, I'm not a big phone person, um, and I've become less of a phone person over since COVID, for sure. But I do think it is important to have these verbal conversations, especially for writers. We need to hear how people talk. And when I'm doing some uh, writing for broadcast podcasts or speeches, which I, I do write uh, as part of my business, I want to hear how my client talks. What are the words they use? What kind of phrasing? Talking about voice today, that's really essential when you're writing uh, content for someone else to use, for someone else to speak, or uh, when they're writing an expert column for a magazine, right? And their name's going on it, you're ghostwriting that for them, then it needs to sound like them. And for it to sound like their voice, for it to embody them, you need to know what they sound like where they take their breaths and the words they use and how they articulate their words. So uh, that's the importance of in-person meeting or, or phone conversation, which I've got going on today. And I'm finishing the second to the last chapter on a fiction project I'm working on, which is crazy. I'm all in my head about it. And then I'm making dinner. And gosh, what am I going to make? My family will eat tacos and pasta every single night. And I'm so bored with that. What can I make? If you got a good recipe, uh, pass me one. Now, Jacqueline Chard, who was our guest on the very first show, the author of multiple best-selling books, um, a fantastic interview. You should go back and listen to that episode number two, I think she is, the first interview we did, one or two. Check it out. Um, she also has a great newsletter, which you can subscribe to off her website. And once in a while, she'll toss a recipe uh, out there for the world. So I, I'm going to go and see if she has anything good going on or maybe something on this. But I need to come up with something. I'm so bored of coming up with dinners. I think sometimes it's easier to write a chapter of my novel than it is with a new dinner idea. But those are the dailies. All right, talking about voice in our writing. You know, voice is really the thing. It can be hard to define, but when you hit it, you'll know it. It becomes a very intuitive thing. And it's really the difference between a memorable piece of writing and a textbook where you're just taking in information. Now, I think even textbooks should be more interesting than some of them are that I've read. So, I think everything we write, whether it's a piece of content marketing, whether it's a fiction piece, an essay like Amy Patterell writes, we talked to her last week. I think anything we put down needs to be compelling and interesting. And I think a lot of that goes to voice. And one way I think of that is, is a little... Um, visual. And that is, think about these ice skaters that you see, these couple, these ice skating dancers or these couple skaters, and they're out on the ice and they're skating to this beautiful music and they're graceful and they're intense and they're expert, right? They're hitting these really difficult moves without falling on the ice and they're beautiful and they're creating a drama for us on the ice, right? Their facial expressions and their bodies and their costumes, all of that. Now, the music they pick and the costumes they pick and their facial expressions 
create this synergy, this voice that goes with their actual technical expertise. And when all that comes together, we never forget it, right? We think about it forever. It raises the level of the performance and usually their score. And we always walk away with the sense that they're, you know, totally in love with each other or in a relationship or whatever. And of course, they're professionals. Most are not. Most are just out there as athletes skating together. But it's a very interesting experience. And I want our writing to work like that, too. I want our words and our phrasing and our paragraphs and our sentences and our descriptions and our dialogue and our tone and our settings to all come together in this singular voice that sets the mood so that even if readers can't define what the voice is, they know it's ours. It belongs to the story we are telling. Now, just like in life, our writing and the way our voice is reflective in that writing changes depends on who we are writing for, right? Depends on the market. When I'm writing for a newspaper, I will have a slightly different voice and tone than when I'm writing a magazine article and a service piece, than when I'm writing an essay for my Substack or elsewhere, than when I'm writing a podcast where I'm going to talk with you and we're going to have that connection. And all of that is different than what I write in my novel. And that's true in life too, right? How we talk to our young children is different than how we talk to our mothers, is different than how we talk to our girlfriends when we're out on happy hour having a few drinks, right? We use different language. We tell different jokes. Our humor is different. And we show up with a different kind of energy. If we're talking to a a very old person and we're talking to a very young person, the words we use may be different. The things we talk about may also be different. And it's true in our writing. Now, how does voice show up in my work? It shows up often in short sentences. I use a lot of sentence fragments. I use lists about mundane, practical items. I'll talk about the contents of a drawer or other quirky details. Now, it's not like I bombard the reader with all this stuff all at once, but those are usually a part of my stories. And it's the same true in my nonfiction. When I'm writing a profile piece or a service piece, I think the items people have in their possession reflect how they think about things and what they care about. And so I'll often look for ways in my research and my interviews to draw those things in and include at least a smattering of them in my work. That is one way my voice shows up. The tone we use in our work also is reflective of our voice. Are you using real snappy short senses to depict maybe anger or frustration or this kind of rigid linear thinking? Are you using that for pacing? Do you keep your chapters short or even one-line paragraphs here and there to move people along? Are you no-nonsense, very little description? Are you uh, more elaborative in terms of scenery and setting? Now, all these things go to what we see as the writer, what we notice, what we care about, what we think is funny, right? It's all part of how we relate in the world. So then it's the way that it comes out on the page that really becomes the voice of the piece. Now, it's hard because in the beginning in particular, I remember overthinking this a lot. Like I felt unanchored. I felt like all the writing I was doing sounded 
the same, sounded like the same thing. And I think that's true when you're working on a first draft or when you're early on in your career. But it's the differences and the changes and the way you incorporate these elements into your pieces that really establish and develop your voice as you go. It's not just what you decide to put in a piece because whether you're writing fiction or nonfiction, right, there has to be some editing. Everything we see and take in and feel and think is not going to go in either piece. That just doesn't work. The reader and the editors are counting on us to be judicious in the details and the, the tones and the moods and the settings and the things we create in our work, right? To set the tone, create the mood. So it's in the decision-making that you do to decide what to put in, what tone to use, how long your sentences are going to be, what kind of vocabulary you're going to take and use for each character or in the piece. And some of that is based on who your readers are going to be. If I'm writing a children's book, my language might be expressed in a different way than if I'm writing for a scientific journal. I would hope it would be, right? And yet there will be elements of me found in each of those pieces. This really showed up for me in an interesting way uh, a number of years ago when I was writing my first book, Imperfect Spirituality. I had, it's a nonfiction book, and in nonfiction then you write the proposal first and you use it to get your agent or to sell it to a publisher. And so the book had already been accepted and I was on deadline to write this book and it was my first book. And as I started writing, I just hated it. I didn't like it. It didn't feel authentic to me. It it felt boring and and kind of trivial. And it left me with a bad feeling. And it was also very hard to write. I just figured that was because it was my first book. But finally, after a couple of weeks of really pushing through this, I realized it's because it didn't sound like me at all. It didn't feel like me. It felt like a medical journal, which is where I was getting the research and stuff. I mean, this was very research heavy, but it felt like something anybody could write, just a recitation of facts. And that isn't the book I wanted to write because, and here's why I decided that, number one, that's not authentic to me. I'm much more conversational. I like to talk to people and I like to learn from people. So I wanted to... make this information that I felt was really important, more accessible and readable. But also, I wanted it to be consistent with what I wanted in my life. I wanted to write the kind of book I wanted to read. I don't want to read a textbook. I want practical information, stories that I can get through and see how this stuff applies into my own life. And that's a book I wanted to write. When I went back and looked through those early chapters, I could see immediately that I was writing a textbook instead of an engaging nonfiction piece that would hopefully help readers or at least entertain the readers who decided to buy the book. I threw it all out and I went to work and I opened with a story from my own life and went on and and really quickly wrote that first book. It really came quickly after I figured out the voice. Now, it took me some time and it felt really scary and really uncomfortable, but that's also where you need to stick in, right? When it's uncomfortable, it's because there's something that's not in alignment in your writing. Now, is that a voice element? Not necessarily. It could be any number of things, but that's a place to start because if it feels inauthentic or too far away 
or not something that jives with your characters. It could be a voice issue. And then it's just a matter of practice. All right. So how do we create this intangible voice in our work, in all of our work? And how can we have fun doing it? We're going to get into some specifics when we get back from this break on Simply Right with Polly, part of the Creators Network of Electric House. And we are back. This is Simply Right, and I'm Polly, and we're talking about voice and elements of voice, how to bring it into our work and why we need to, right? It's really an aspect of style. And it's really, I think, the part that makes it engaging to the readers in whatever piece we're writing. Now, you're going to have some things in common that follow a particular voice that follows you from piece to piece. But how you use it will change depending on the material you're writing and the audience you're writing to. When I write something for psychology today, it sounds much different than what you'll read in my fiction work and what you'll hear on the podcast. And yet, I think you would recognize my voice in each of those pieces because there are certain things that draw me. I'm really interested in the quirks of people. I'm really interested in, in how they think. I'm interested in uh, the elements of this humanity, their humor, you know, how you use humor is also a product of your voice. Are you sarcastic? Are you more slapsticky? Are your characters doing wild things? Are you, um, is your humor dark and does that make it into your pieces? Or is it, uh, you know, more sophisticated and, and highfalutin, smart humor? some people might call it. So all of that stuff is your voice and how it shows up is an act of craft. There are things you can do to bring out your voice and an act of faith. You got to know it will evolve. How do you get it to evolve? You write. You write a lot and you pay attention to those elements that you might use in each of your pieces. You know, your word choice. Do you have a character that uses contractions? Do you use contractions? I remember one of my first writers group 20 years ago, I was in the group with um, a number of different people and I use a lot of contractions in my writing. It's how I talk, but it's also more familiar and conversational. Well, you wouldn't use contractions for a technical piece uh, in a technical journal or one of those other uh, more sciencey articles, right? So that voice is going to change depending on who your market is and who you're writing for. When I'm writing my Substack at simplywrite.substack.com, which is free, by the way, if you want to join our community, you can get some free. There's bonus materials for those who want feedback on their work and and uh, extra tip sheets and that kind of thing. But uh, people can join for free and see what we're talking about. So how those things show up will really vary. And the way to get close to them is to write and write 
and write and write. Think about market, think about audience, but also think about you, what you notice in life, what's compelling to you, and how you're going to bring that out in a short story or in an article or essay. And trust that the more you write, the clearer your voice will become right? Voice is also a product of rhythm. I use a lot of uh, alliteration. I like that. Um, I like M dashes and those kind of uh, dramatic pauses that I look for. I use sentence fragments. So my work sometimes, no matter what you're reading, feels like it's thoughts hopping around because I like that from my character voice. And remember in nonfiction, who's the character? We are, right? There's always a character in nonfiction. If I'm writing the service piece, the character may be the person who's dealing with the medical diagnosis or the challenge. Now, I'm going to have expert voices in that piece and so forth. If this is a magazine article for a, a journal or a consumer publication, but I'm always going to have a central character and how I describe her or him, how she talks and what I notice is going to be a product of who they are, but how I lay them on the page also. Um, my pieces often, like I said, have to have lists or I notice the little details because I think those humanize people. The books I have on the shelves are going to be different than the books you have on the shelves. And that tells us, the reader, a little more about who we are. So voice is not only a product of what you put on the page, but it's what you see and how you build the characters and how you experience the world. Okay. Now people worry about their ideas being stolen or everybody writing the same thing. The voice is really a distinguishing characteristic. And so we want it to be crazy or a little bigger or a little wild. And it's fine to practice with that and to play it up and down. But as the writer, you want to control that. If you're going to go with your crazy over the top dramatic voice, make sure it's appropriate for the story you're writing. If you want to dial it back and be a little more intimate and a little more quiet, then choose slower rhythms or quieter words and texts that in longer sentence that slow things down. That's also a part of voice. Okay. Now I keep talking about voices being an intangible aspect of writing, but it also comes down to the technical combination of these elements, you know, pacing, rhythm, uh, word choice, and syntax. Those things that we pull into our pieces have an overall effect on how the reader experiences our voice. So all that goes into it. Aside from writing a lot and playing with different tones and words and voices in your own work, read a lot and notice what the writers bring. Read a bunch of Stephen King and see what kind of patterns and structures and words and the way he's telling the story. It's very unique to Stephen King. Then read Mark Twain and read Hemingway and read Kingsolver and Pick up these pieces, look at the pieces in the New Yorker and check out the nonfiction profiles. And while they're writing about a very specific person, there is a specific New Yorker voice. And then on top of that, you'll find, you know, writers like David Remnick, who's 
great who uh, will have their own kind of voice that you'll be able to suss out and experience. So reading and writing is really essential to this. Look for the rhythms of the words and look how for how the sentences are laid out. And then think about how you want to create that in your own writing and also think about how you're already doing it. If you had to label your voice, what would it be? Will you use slang words or cliches, which I don't advise, or colloquialisms or dialects? Are you going to be more casual or more formal in your writing? You know, go back years ago, Frank McCourt wrote a great memoir called Angela's Ashes. And that's a great study on voice that I still remember today because not only did he do it structurally, he didn't use any quotation marks, which bothered a few, <laughs> but also the words and the way they lined up. Um, he's from Ireland and that was reflected on the page, but still in a way that was very formal language that we could follow and understand. And um, it's a great study in voice. You could hear him speak on the pages of that story. And then when I finally did hear him speak in real life, it was very consistent. One of the greatest compliments I get on my books is when people read the book and then they meet me in person, they feel like they're meeting who they met in the book. They feel like I'm somebody they could go out and have coffee with. That was very, very intentional. I wanted to be that accessible. I wanted to be like a friend, a conversation be between friends and my books. And it took many drafts to get there. But that's why you write a lot, right? You get closer to your voice with every effort you make, every draft you do. And you do this by the elements we're talking about, but you also do it by keeping your market in mind. Who do you want to read the book? Who do you want to read the articles? Who does the magazine go out to? Who do you want to sell the essay to? And who are those readers? Because you want to speak a language that's appropriate for young adults if you're writing a young adult book. You want to speak a language that's appropriate for uh, women if you're writing for that market. If you're writing for firefighters, which I have, you want to speak the language that firefighters know so that you are authentic for your audience. And all of those will be pieces of the technical skill that you have, but also the pieces of your own personality and style that you bring to the pieces. So while your voice may change from piece to piece, you always want to have one. And that's based on point of view. That's based on the story you're telling. That's based on who you are and how you want to tell it. So it's worth fostering and developing this. But this goes to the other part I said at the beginning. Have faith. The more you write, the clearer that becomes. And you'll know what the piece needs and which elements to pull in to develop your own voice. And if you practice that and you do that well, people will come looking for your unique take on every story you tell. And that's the power of voice. All right, your assignment today then is to read for voice. I want you to take a look at whatever you're reading now, and I hope it's something we need to read all the time. Plus, it's super fun, but take a look at what you're reading now and write down a couple of sentences of, of what the voice is of the piece, how it's working. Don't just go to individual characters, but the sense of the overall piece. How is the author doing what she's doing? And then take a look at some of your own work that you've written or that you're working on and see if you can find patterns in your own pieces. What is the voice that lingers in your nonfiction, 
essays and maybe a short story you've written. Are there any commonalities or any techniques and style and uh, sentence structures that you use and bring in from each piece? Is there the underpinnings of a voice there that you can define? And then write something with a very specific voice. Pick your childlike voice or pick your old man voice or your mom voice, whatever it is, and write a page or two in that voice. You will be bringing your unique expertise and experience to that voice, but you'll still take on the tone of that mother, right? When we think of a mother scolding us when we were young, or we think of our mother-in-law talking to us now, we can hear two distinct voices there. Or a father talking to his young kid, or an attorney talking to the guy on the opposing side, those are distinct voices. So play with that a little bit and see what you can hear when you're creating your own voice. That's your assignment. You're not graded. Just play and start thinking about these aspects of voice. All right, time for my favorite segment. Actually, I like it all. I like talking about all things writing. I hope you like listening to it and talking with me too. And if you want to comment on this stuff or share your own ideas or work, please become a paid subscriber at simplywrite.substack.com. And you can get feedback on your work and also be in touch first with tip sheets and upcoming classes I've got coming in the years ahead and the months ahead, actually. And also, join us there and become a free subscriber if you want to hear more on the topics we discuss here and other stuff too. I like talking about writing and I think developing this kind of writing community is really powerful for all of us. All right, what's in the desk today is really what's on the desk. And I have this mug that my nephew, Quinn, gave me for Christmas. And it's a white mug with this black bold type on it that says around the, the base of it, be careful or you'll end up in my book. I love it. And every time I look at it, which it's usually a Monday mug because it sets the tone for my writing for the week that I'm going to create stuff. But every time I use it, um, I think of him and I love it. So that makes me feel good. That's what's on the desk for today. Let's get writing this week. And remember, your voice is part faith and part technique, right? It's part of the unique self that you bring to every page you touch. It's not the only aspect of style, but your style is a part of your voice. It's how you see the world and relate to it. It's part tone and vocabulary and sentence structure, and it's unique. You have your voice. You have to make room for it to come out. And you do that by practicing and reading and writing and take on the assignment this week. Notice the patterns in the voice through your writing and start to identify the voices other writers use because everyone has a unique way of looking at the world. And when it comes out in their writing, it gives your writing that extra oomph that brings readers back. Author Kilroy Oldster says this about voice. The quality of a literary voice is the crucial part of a writer's legitimacy and their authenticity. Their authenticity cannot come from mimicking other writers' styles, but must evolve naturally from their inner sanctity and must flow effusively from an inner necessity. Sit down this week, writers, and simply write. Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Peter. 
We're the founders of Electrocast Media, bringing you great podcasts like Nightmare Road Stories, Tech Talk Revolution, and Bodacious Minds. Electrocast networks include Ruby for female empowerment, the best business network, and GPN for geopolitics. We built this company to create community and amplify diverse voices, and we really appreciate your support. So, keep listening to Electrocast Podcasts and hear the culture. Welcome to the Candle Power Hour. Come with us backstage behind the scenes of show business spanning over four decades and bringing you the experiences that can only be told by the people who were there. Our guests are from the A-list, the F-list, and everyone in between. Get set for some of the most insane, hilarious, and inspiring stories you will ever hear. I'm Mercury. And I'm Diego. Your host for the The Candle Candle Power Power Hour. Hour. Electric Acid.